Matthew 9, beginning at verse 18. This is God's holy and infallible word as we read a miracle within a miracle. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, and him, of course, is Jesus, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, um, and they would hire, when there was a death, they would hire uh, at least one or two women to wail, and they would hire flute players to play like discordant notes and odd things. They were very um, loud in their mourning uh, compared to us who in funeral homes, you know, whisper in hushed tones. Very loud in, in the East compared to the West. So they entered the ruler's house, saw what they would have expected to, the flute players and the noisy crowd. He said, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. That's God's word for us this morning. Five marks of miraculous faith. Why didn't I just say five marks of faith? Well, it's because the Bible indicates that not all faith is saving faith. Not all faith is true faith. Uh, which is to say it's not all miraculous working faith. Uh, the book of James talks about a false faith, a dead faith, in comparison to having a living faith in your life. And I'm using miraculous faith because I think that's what's going on in this text, but it's basically the same thing as saying uh, a saving faith, a living faith, a true faith faith. Uh, But I don't want anyone to misunderstand miraculous faith uh, because there are those out there who say things like, and you'll find this uh, on the radio, you'll find it with certain pastors on TV, there are those who say things like, if you don't have enough faith, you won't get your miracle. If you get cancer or some terrible illness or have hard times, well, it's because your faith wasn't strong enough. But you'll get your miracle if you just have enough faith. That's what some folks say. But that's a misunderstanding of the miracles in the Bible. Uh, But the people who say that and teach that do have something right. What they have right is that there is a connection between faith and miracles in your life. But the thing is, you have to be looking for the right miracles. 
The right miracle to be looking for is salvation in Jesus. The miracle is the putting off of the old nature of sin more and more, and instead living in the new nature of Jesus more and more. The miracle is growing in our lives in the fruit of the Spirit. If if you want to see change in your life, change in your purpose, uh, change in your attitude, change in your interests, uh, if you want to see change in what you spend your time and money and energy on, that all takes a miracle of Jesus. We certainly don't get the impression that Jesus healed thousands and thousands of people during his public ministry. Though, of course, he could have. You know, when he fed those 5,000, he could have also immediately healed any physical ailments in that huge crowd at the same time. But instead, he healed particular people in particular situations while he walked on this earth to teach God's people, the church of all ages, something, uh, to point us to something. After all, each one of those he healed would no doubt later in life have gotten physical ailments again. This girl who Jesus raised from the dead in our text would die again. I'm sure we'd all like miracles of healing in our lives and in our family. And thinking of of Mother's Day and uh, Pastor Matthew prayed about this too. Of course, there are those here today hurting and grieving because of children God has called home, who have sorrow yet to this day because of miscarriages, stillbirths. There are those who would like to have children or more children but can't. There are those who would like to be married uh, and aren't. Those who are missing dearly a mom that God has called home, uh, those who, have, who, who grieve dysfunction in their family, uh, those who have lost loved ones to cancer or in some other way and are now on this today parenting alone. And there are those of us who live with the constant concern of cancer or another health issue returning in our lives. None of these things are small matters and they can and do create hurt and challenges our whole life long. Uh, But with these miracles that we're looking at today, as amazing as they are, God is pointing us to an even greater miracle. The miracle of His salvation and everything that that entails in this life and the next, which in the next life is eternal life, where where there'll be no more tears, no more dying, no more sin and evil and sickness and, and losing people we love. We know that we're being pointed to the miracle of salvation, in particular in these healing miracles, because the literal translation of heal in verses 21 and 22 is save. Other Gospels that record these miracles, like Mark and Luke, often use the word for being saved, salvation, 
in the context of a miracle of physical healing. But Matthew does not do that. In fact, these are the only three places that he uses the word for salvation, which is sozdo, with a healing miracle. In fact, uh, some Bible translations say, and this is also a correct translation, if I only touch his cloak, I will be saved because it's the word for salvation. And your faith has saved you. And the woman, who was, the woman was saved from that moment. And that doesn't mean the physical healing didn't happen, but it, that, that it, but it means it was a sign, this is a sign and pointer of spiritual healing, the lasting and eternal healing that the coming of Jesus brings to our lives. This passage with this miracle inside a miracle uh, gives us five marks of a miraculous faith that I want to talk about with you. Miraculous because it takes a miracle for us to receive and have and exercise this kind of faith. First of all, this kind of faith is inside out. In other words, miraculous faith starts in the heart and then goes outward. And this is basically the opposite of what the religious leaders of Jesus' day said and thought. And those were the Pharisees. And they're mentioned, if you still have your Bibles open, uh, they're mentioned right before this miracle in connection with fasting. And even earlier than that, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how these religious leaders got it wrong in thinking that true faith was all about outward appearances. Fasting, making sure as you fast that you look all pitiful and gaunt in front of everyone. Praying on the street corner so everyone knows that you're praying and you're a pious person. People in Jesus' day were being taught that real faith was about outward displays, an outward show. And then the rest would take care of itself. But Jesus says, no, true faith is about your heart. And Romans 10.10 says, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Uh, the Bible teaches that the rest will come and take care of itself when first our hearts are right with God and changed, not the other way around. How saving faith works in these two miracles is very different from how people wrongly approached the faith in Jesus' day. And this is why uh, just before our miracles, Matthew records Jesus uh, it's kind of that uh, uh, text, if you re remember it, where Jesus talks about new and old wineskins, and it's a little challenging to understand, uh, but it makes sense flowing into these miracles. As my, my study Bible says, Jesus is talking about that in him a newness has come that cannot be confined with the old forms, the old outward forms. So miraculous faith is inside out. Something else about miraculous faith, faith is that it often comes when we're at the end of our rope, when we've tried everything 
and come to the realization that there's really nothing we can do to change uh, the situation we're in. There's nothing we can do to change our hearts, our minds, our lives, but that it takes something outside of ourselves to change us, to save us, to make any kind of lasting difference in our lives. Miraculous faith comes out of our desperation in life. And that was the case with the two miracles in our text. This ruler's daughter died. Mark and Luke give us more details on these miracles. We learn from them that the, the, little, the girl was a young girl, like 12 years old. Whether she died suddenly or whether she was sickly her whole life, we just don't know. But either way, unimaginable sorrow for a parent to lose a child. The ruler, who we learn in, in Mark and Luke, was Jairus. Um, her, her father was completely desperate. There was nothing humanly anyone could do. No doctor in that day or any other day could heal her. She was dead. And this desperation was true of, of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. True, bleeding like that uh, would cause like anemia, weakness physically, and even worse than those things, more than that in Israel, uh, she would have been socially and religiously isolated. When a woman bleeds, they're considered unclean, and anything she touches is unclean, and anyone who touches her is unclean. Any object anywhere that she touches is an unclean object that if anyone else touches it, they become unclean. And this all goes back to the social laws of, of the Old Testament uh, the ones in particular that passed away with Jesus coming. But at that time, before the cross, uh, this was still an issue. And you can bet uh, that she had gone to every doctor in the region. But there was no cure. There's no healing for her. So for this father, this bleeding woman, uh, to use a simplistic, inspirational saying like I've heard before, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. That wasn't going to cut it. That wasn't going to cut it. Uh, they both realized in their pain and their suffering that they needed something outside of themselves. And many people have, have come to Jesus in that sort of situation in life when there's nothing else we can do. And as much as all of us who now already believe in Jesus, want to come to Jesus and be near Him all the time, uh, the reality is even us who know Him and know we need a daily, continual relationship with Him, uh, we can get caught in the habit of mostly coming to Him when we're having problems in our life, right? Do you do that too? You know, I, I, can, I can fall into that. Mostly and, and really most fervently coming to him when I'm in, in dire straits or I'm in dire need. The amazing thing about that is Jesus accepts us even then. He doesn't say to Jairus or the woman, well, you're only coming to me because 
You're desperate. I'm your only hope. You should have come to me when all was well and everything was going well in your life, and then I'd come and help you in your need. No, it's nothing like that at all. Jesus graciously receives these people and all of us and all people who come to him whenever and however they come, whatever situation in life. And of course, Jairus and the woman go to Jesus because they realize his power. Um, And that's a third mark of miraculous faith in our text is it's to recognize the power of Jesus. It's one thing to come to the end of yourself, to be at the end of your rope, uh, but we can't stay there. If you're at the end of the rope and stay there, you're going to give up. You're going to throw in the towel on life. Maybe you're going to develop bad habits to, to numb the pain and numb the need. Like this ruler, we have to get beyond the end of our rope. Miraculous faith gets beyond coming to the end of our rope. And we have to come to Jesus and kneel before him. Acknowledge that he's the one we need. Both the ruler and the woman uh, were convinced of his power, no doubt because they either saw him healing other people or heard about his healings. But, but their, their faith, they must have really believed his power because Jairus' daughter is dead. And we believe this may very well have been Jesus' first resurrection miracle. So it's not like Jesus had been raising all kinds of people. Yet the ruler believed that Jesus was powerful enough to raise his daughter. And of course he was right. And and, and the woman, believing in the power of Jesus, if I just touch the edge of his cloak, she doesn't even, she thinks Jesus is so powerful, he doesn't even need to touch her. If I just touch his cloak, and both the girl and the woman are healed, saved through that bit of contact with Jesus. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes for Jesus uh, to heal us, to save us, because he's so powerful. He's the Son of God, and he continues to be the one who has all the power, everything we need. And uh, this faith, this healing, this salvation, this contact with Jesus is for you too today, whoever you are. It's an indiscriminate faith, we might say. It's for anyone who's at the end of their rope, anyone who has realized their need and also recognizes that Jesus has the power and goes to Jesus. This guy we read was a ruler And that meant he was uh, almost for sure a ruler in the synagogue, uh, probably an elder in the synagogue, which would be not that dissimilar from an elder in the church today. Except in that day, people who were elders in the synagogue uh, were automatically one of the most influential and important and probably wealthiest people in town. They were, they were big shots. Uh, they were influential. Uh, this woman, 
The bleeding woman was an outcast and no doubt very poor. So we're, we're being shown wealthy, big shot, poor, a nobody. Doesn't matter. You can believe in Jesus and he'll receive you. If you think that miraculous faith is for certain types of people, you're all wrong. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, who this ruler would have been associated with, thought that. Just a bit before our verses again, we read in chapter 9, verse 11, that the Pharisees thought sinners were not worthy of faith. And that would include people like the guy who wrote this gospel, Matthew, because he was a tax collector. It would include uh, prostitutes. It would include um, all kinds of people. Just people who were unclean, like the bleeding woman. They were all sinners. Um, Because Jesus kept having compassion on these sinners who they thought weren't worthy of of faith, these church leaders of the day started getting very antagonistic toward Jesus. But it's interesting that Jesus was tolerant and even helped this ruler who was part of the group that was beginning to hate him. Part of the group that was so intolerant of him, he he still helped him. Faith in Jesus is, uh, we could say, the great leveler of the human condition. We're all lost, says God's word. We're all in desperate need because of our sin. And the wonderful fact is that miraculous faith that grabs on to Jesus is for anyone. And it's for you too today. Uh, And whatever your situation is, whatever your need is. And finally this morning, this faith is simple to apply. For the awesomeness of these miracles, Matthew uses very simple, straightforward language about the woman we read. The woman was healed from that moment. And for the only resurrection miracle in Matthew, other than the resurrection of Jesus himself, we simply read, He went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. Again, it's very unlike the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day uh, we read about before these miracles. Faith was all a big show to them. Show up in the synagogue, make sure everyone sees uh, what a good religious person you are, Uh, Pray out loud so everyone knows you're praying fast. Make sure everyone knows you fast. Give to the church. Make sure, give to the synagogue. Make sure everyone knows you're giving big bucks. But it's not about the show. It's about the heart like we started with today. It's in your heart simply saying, Lord, this is what miraculous faith is about. Lord, we got this. It doesn't matter what people think and say about me? Lord, all I care about is that between you and me, we got this straight. 
You died for my sins. I need you. I believe in you. And I love you because you first loved me. And you put this love, this miracle in my heart. And I'm going to take your gift of faith for my life and use it to reach out to you and to receive your healing touch. Friends, do you want to experience the miracle of God's grace in your life? Do you want salvation? Do you want abundant life? Uh, Do you want inner renewal to face all things? Do you want hope in hopeless times? None of that just happens. It takes a miracle. Uh, But you can experience that miracle. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But it does mean that God will give you faith through the struggles, through the difficulties, even when you don't feel him there with you sometimes and wonder where he is in the midst of the storms. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure as God's people that we truly know the riches available to us in the astounding miracle of what Jesus does in our hearts and what he has for us now and for all eternity because we focus, don't we, so much on stuff. We focus so much on what's right in front of our face, our our portfolio. We focus so much on the things of this earth. But he's got so much for you. He's got so much for me. We can begin to learn when we set aside everything else that we put our trust and faith in and get in contact with Jesus, like this woman, like this little girl in our text. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for teaching us about saving faith, true faith, the real deal miraculous faith in our text with these two miracles this morning. Lord, help us to see our need and realizing that need, go to you. You are all-powerful. You can save us. You can give us life now and forever. Help us to learn uh, to grow in, in, in the, the richness and in the joy that, that you have for your people through your salvation, through your Holy Spirit and Word that we week by week can, can study and be transformed by together here, even here at this church. Thank you, Lord, for your Word. Thank you for uh, saving us. Help us, Lord, uh, to, uh, to, to use, to exercise uh, your gift of faith in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.